We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Hey, guess what? I've got a book coming out. How exciting is that? It's called School X, and it's all about helping you as a principal be a designer of your school and not just a manager. So I hope you'll check it out. You can download the free chapter at schoolx.me. So just go to schoolx.me to download the first free chapter. And once you get it, hit reply to the email and tell me what you think. Looking forward to sharing that with you. That's schoolx.me. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformativeprinciple. I am excited to be a media partner for the Conrad Challenge. The Conrad Challenge is this amazing educational experience that allows students to create real-world applications to solve problems that we are facing today. It's amazing. Check out more at conradchallenge.org. That's conradchallenge.org. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 361, and I'm excited to have Lizzie Niger, like Tiger. I had to say it. This is the only way I can remember how to say it right. <laughs> She's an elementary principal at an international school in Nepal, and this is her seventh year in the school, but her second year as a principal there. Before that, she was a special ed teacher and a second grade teacher 
Lizzie, thank you so much for being on Transformative Principle. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. So when you emailed me uh, last month and we were talking about, I think it was automation that you that you were responding to, you mentioned that you were a principal of a school and you were leading it from four different continents and 10 different time zones. So what in the world does that mean? And tell us more about that. Yeah. First off, I did not think we'd ever find ourselves in this position, that's for sure. But last year when coronavirus started taking the world by storm, we, we are geographically positioned right between China and India. We're watching what's happening on the China side. And our country still just had one case for the longest time. And then suddenly we found ourselves being closed in March and the airport was closed. And so people started getting this anxiety. You know, this is a developing country. What's the state of the medical system if things go badly here? And so the only flights people could get were uh, repatriation flights back to their home countries. So suddenly I had staff disappearing, families disappearing to other parts of the world. And what we thought would just be, you know, maybe four to six weeks where we'd be separated. And certainly by the summer, people would be able to return has turned into not only completing a school year online in you know 10 different time zones, four different continents, but also starting a new school year online, which has brought a whole different set of challenges. We've got new students who have never met anyone in person, new staff who've never met anyone in person. And it, it's totally a different animal than I ever expected to be dealing with, but somehow we're making it work. Yeah, I think that that is really inspiring. And having spoken with and talked with other international school leaders, you know, that repatriation issue is a big deal because it might be your only chance to get back. So you, you know, you kind of have to take it or commit to stay there for a long time. And that can be scary for people in different situations. So I, I can only imagine some of the challenges that you have experienced in, in dealing with that. But what I think is really interesting, Lizzie, is that you haven't, you know, just said, okay, you're out of the country, you're not part of our school anymore. It sounds like those people are those staff are still working for you and the students are still attending. Is that what's happening? Yeah, that's what's happening. They're staying connected. They're joining in on staff meetings. And if their time, time zone is too different, they're watching recordings of things that we do together. And so we're trying to keep as connected with them as we can. So how are you staying connected when, you know, you're in all these different time zones and you, you're not going to be able to see some people as often as you, as most principals are right now with, you know, everybody in the same city, <laughs> you know, how are you managing that? How are you staying connected? We are, we're meeting together as a, a whole staff once a week. And then there are certainly some people who can't be a part of that. So I try to make myself available. Often it's the end of my days that they're waking up and getting started and having questions. And, you know, especially when you're, it's your first time launching schooling online, everybody makes a ton of mistakes, right? And then you get 50 messages from kids. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. And the teachers can feel really frustrated. We've got some new staff who are in that place. Everyone else has already worked through that initial curve at the end of last year. But just trying to make myself available for those people to support them. And I've kind of tried to find a rhythm in terms of how do I make sure that I stay cared for in the process of this and keep myself healthy. And so I've started taking, if I know I'm going to be answering questions or connecting with people in the evenings, just trying to take off part of the middle of the day because I can't just go for 12 to 14 hours straight. And that, that seems to be working well. And let that be a lesson to everybody. You can't go 12 to 14 hours straight all the time. You do need to take breaks and it is okay to take breaks and make sure that you're taking care of yourself. So most international schools are based on 
a tuition system. They're like private schools here in the U.S. And so how do you keep people wanting to attend a school when they could be going to a public school down the street from their from where they live now? Yeah, that's one of our really big challenges and something I heard initially from the first schools in Hong Kong and China that were closing down. They were saying that we're really at risk of losing our students and they're the ones that keep our school afloat. So what we've really aimed to do is give them a package that's really desirable. So as a school, we've talked about how do we cut back on fees right now to make it more attractive. Parents are putting in more work. So how can we make it a little bit cheaper for them? How can we make sure that what we're offering online feels like their kids are really learning? And so we've we've tried to look at what are the best models out there for online learning and how can we make sure that we're offering that kind of quality to our students and monitoring the quality. And so it's been interesting. There's a, a school nearby where some people have been inquiring, what's online learning looking like for your school? And they're starting to ask about how they might get their kids into our school because they like what we're doing. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that then that opens up the idea of, you know, why couldn't you continue to offer services to people who are not physically in Nepal? And, you know, have you thought about those kinds of questions yet? Or are you just trying to survive? We have. We, we have been thinking about some of those, maybe not so much uh, expanding beyond kind of um, the coronavirus time necessarily, but we do have a situation where often families will take a leave for a period of time away from the country. And if, if they're gone for about four weeks, we generally just send work with their kids. But this certainly presents opportunities for us to give them more long-term support as available with this kind of online model. And we've talked about that. And then there are also certainly some families who right now would say, we're definitely not interested in returning to in-person instruction for a long time. And so we've said, don't feel like you need to rush out of whatever place you find yourself in. We're going to continue to support your kids and offer this high quality online learning, even if we go back to being in person. So I foresee for a long time, we're going to be kind of living in these two worlds. We're still in one right now, though. That's really fascinating to me because once you adopt that mentality, that's going to make it a lot easier for you to serve kids differently instructionally when they're not physically in the same place and recognizing that, you know, as I mentioned, my, my friend who's in the United Arab Emirates, like you're not going to be able to travel back there, especially from someplace like the United States for quite some time. They may be in person, but you still may not be able to go back. And so, you know, there's this don't rush back to Nepal once we are in person, but at the same time, you may not be able to. So that seems like a lot of different things to juggle and to, to keep track of. And I'm sure that there's not a lot of research on how to lead a school from four continents. So how are you figuring out what to do and how to not drive yourself crazy? Or how are you figuring out to make sure you're providing high quality to your staff and students? Yeah, it's interesting. When we first realized we were going to be finding ourselves in this position, I started putting out questions in Twitter and in some of the professional groups that I'm in. And no one would answer the question. It would be like, what are some of your best things for launching community from five continents? What are your best ideas for bringing people together virtually? It's like crickets, total radio silence. And at first, my reaction was like, why don't these people want to help me? But then I tried, tried to reframe it. You know what? I think people just don't feel like they have the right answer. And so they don't want to contribute or they don't feel like they have something to contribute. So in a group I was in, I just said, nobody's got the right answers. 
what are your most creative ideas? No idea is a bad one right now. And that really got us into a different place where we could brainstorm some creative ways of bringing staff together, creating team, making people feel like they're a part of something. And then really trying to, we were casting our net broadly looking for some really good high quality resources. And one of the things we came across that we think really could work for this model is the Modern Classrooms Project. And their essentials course has really, we're going through it slowly as a staff, but I think that's really helping us rethink and reimagine how we might do this school thing for the foreseeable future. And I also appreciate how you changed your question from what what should we do to what's your most creative ideas. And anytime we reframe our question for whatever challenge we're facing, we can get different answers because you're not asking anymore for how do we do this? You're asking for how could we do this? And when you don't have any skin in the game, it's a lot easier to give ideas and, and say, well, here's what you could do. Why don't you just listen to me? And what you really need are just those ideas so that you can start processing through those ideas and saying, how could this work for us? So what are some of the things that are working for you that, that you'd like to share? Maybe they won't work for anybody else and that's okay. But some things that are working for you, especially as it relates to keeping people on the same page and building community and culture and that kind of stuff. I think one of the big things is we've tried to create a kind of family ritual when we're together so that every staff meeting we have together kind of starts the same way and ends the same way. And there's something special about that. I feel like I'm a part of something. These people are my family. And that's something that's worked really well. I think right now also people are so overwhelmed. If you go looking for ideas, it's just like drinking from a fire hose. There's so much to process. And so what I've tried to do is go out myself and find what are some of the best ideas that I think are really working for people and that I think would fit our context or could be adapted. And then I'm sprinkling them through our meetings that we have together as a thing that they could try. So it might be a game that they can do on Zoom with their students or some way that they can get collaboration going, a new tool that helps us collaborate really well together. And our students could do the same. So just trying to drop those through. And people have you know, come back and said, hey, this is really practical. It's super helpful for me to know how I can use these things and immediately apply them. And that's just the incidental kind of in-between breaks between content and our meetings. But it seems to be working really well. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle.
So let's talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're doing instructionally. What are you helping your teachers? What are you seeing your teachers doing that instructionally is helping you, you know, be the kind of school that people still want to attend? So we're doing a mixture of synchronous and asynchronous learning. We looked a lot at what's the benefit of each model and really felt like we need both. So we're having our teachers meet with their students four days a week in a live meeting, but it's really an SEL focus. How do I help you be healthy? How do we be a healthy community together? And also how do we build this class community? Cause we've never been able to do it in person. And then we're also working with the rest of the day. The teachers are designing asynchronous lessons that students can work through. And one, one teacher in particular is an early adopter of the modern classrooms project. And she's just blowing us out of the water with the stuff that she's coming up with and the, the ways that she's modifying that curriculum. We're not, it's not curriculum, but that approach to fit her grade three classroom and tweaking it, getting feedback from the kids, what works really well, what doesn't. And those students have been super motivated, really, really excited. We've had some new families that specifically had children in her class that are really, really liking what they're experiencing. But even just across the board, having teachers, we've been focusing on, can you make your lesson really short so you really capture what's the essence of this with high quality teaching in under six minutes, and then have students engage in some activities. We participated in the ISTE Summer Learning Academy over the summer together and got a lot of great ideas about like we things that we left off in crisis teaching that collaboration getting kids together to not just consume and then assess but how do we put some stops in between consume it but you need to process it how do you process it with other people how do you share your thoughts with other people and so we're trying to add in those elements and it seems to really be having a very positive effect on our students and their parents. I really like that idea of consuming, processing, and assessing instead of just consuming and assessing. And all too often we focus on that assessment piece when really that's the least important part of the work that we do. The The learning and, and the processing is where the real learning happens. I'm sorry, the consuming and the processing is where it really happens. So I think that, that taking that approach gives your teachers permission, especially the really short content lessons that really builds a catalog of content that you can, that you can then share. And then if you need to, you can discreetly assess that and know where gaps are and know how to, how to fill those back in because you've got the asynchronous lesson that's very short and you can, it's just a lot more manageable. And I think that that is, that's really good. I also really appreciated the idea of the meeting and synchronous meetings as a uh, time to check in on social emotional needs. And that's something that as I was working with principals this summer, developing plans for reopening, that's what came up again and again and again. Nobody talked about the need for academics over the summer. It's like we all understood that academics is probably going to take care of itself. What we really need to be paying attention to is this focus on students' social and emotional health and make sure that they're in a good place, that they've got the support that they need all that kind of stuff. And academics just kind of took a, a back seat in everybody's planning, which I personally really appreciate. It sounds like the that's where you're spending your time in your synchronous meetings, that if you're going to be together, you might as well focus on what's most important. And so kudos to you for doing that. When you were talking about that plan, how did you determine you were going to meet synchronously four times a week and focus on social emotional what was the process behind that? So when we were in our kind of crisis teaching mode, we said, 
let's start out with three live lessons with the teacher each week. And we do have our specialist teachers who check in with the kids. They do some live lessons for music and art and PE in the afternoons. But we said, okay, let's start with this minimum or we phase in. We start with two. And the idea was that we were going to ramp it up. And then we realized people were not there. Like mentally, everyone was under this massive stress load. And they just said, we just can't. We can't ramp it up any further. Our kids can't. We can't. And so we just put it on hold. We stuck with three last term. And then the more research I did, the more I saw a few schools popping up here and there that had this extra day built in for teachers to plan. Understanding that this is way more than typical classroom planning than you know they would normally be doing. It's so much more stressful. Everything takes so much longer for them. And so I decided let's let's go with this adding a week or a day a weekend for teachers to just have planning and they're not responsible to answer questions for students on those days. So what we've done starting from the beginning of this year is have a Monday to Thursday teaching cycle where teachers are directly interacting with the kids throughout the day and answering questions and supporting them, pulling small groups when they notice oh, these guys didn't get that lesson. And then on Fridays, our specialist teachers have the whole day to just set up the kids. We're doing some screen-free challenges on those days. But we said, you know, if we're going to four days of instruction, we should really go to four days of live times together with the students. And so it seems like it's working so far, just having that time each day with the kids. And, and some teachers would say, well, in my lessons, and I kept reminding them, this isn't about a lesson. This is a meeting. This is you forming community with your kids. So don't think I got to get on there and teach something. I'm here to invest in these kids and check on them and see how they're doing and let them be in rooms together to work on relationships with each other. So that's kind of how we came up with that division of how we split up the day. I think I think that's really good. So now, you know, we don't know when the coronavirus stuff is going to end. We don't know when that's going to look like. So what are the things you're doing to prepare for for whatever comes the rest of this year and into next year? It sounds like you're doing a good job of getting your keeping your core group of students so that you can stay open, that you're branching out a little bit and hoping to find some other people. What else are you doing to prepare for what's what's coming down the pike? I think one of the things we're working on, we're trying to take this Modern Classrooms project in really tiny bites because people just can't digest a lot right now. And so we're just going through, having staff go through a module and then we're unpacking it together as a staff. What does it mean? And trying to, initially we thought, okay, by the sixth week of school, we can get back to in-person. But now it's looking really unlikely with the situation on the ground here. So now we've kind of said, okay, we'll give you a little bit more breathing room between these modules to really process. I think just the idea of making sure your lessons are short and having a single objective in there, that right there is a challenge. You know, you might be able to do it, hit it for some subjects, but for others, some staff are struggling with that. So we're, we're trying to work really slowly through that and make sure people are really ready for when we launch into a hybrid model. And then even what I'd really like to see is after things get to, to normal, whatever that is, that we actually continue because I think this blended self-paced mastery-based learning is really good for all kids. And so that's, you know, we're trying to work through that so that that can be our future and become our new normal. And then um, I think a big thing that we have just been working on is identifying our power standards. What are the standards in our curriculum that are going to have the greatest impact on student learning for a longer period of time. And then we were looking at uh, which ones carry over into other subject areas. So there, we've kind of looked at a number of areas with those power standards, but saying, okay, you teachers, you talk to each other in vertical groups 
and decide what's really going to be the most essential stuff for our students to know, because the reality is this year is going to be really disrupted. And so how can we make sure they get the things that the next teacher is going to really need them to know? Because that next teacher would never tell you a list of 30 things that kids really need to know. They're, they're going to give you a small list. If they can just do these things, they'll be fine. And so that's what we're, we're trying to narrow it down to. I asked a question at the end of last year. I'm, I'm like a big dreamer. I love to dream. I love to think about the future. And I just asked the question, what's one thing you wish we could change about how we teach kids to my staff? And, and I thought, maybe we're not all on the same page. Maybe some people really love worksheets and teaching kids that way. Maybe some people really... I don't know, love things that I would consider very traditional, not thinking outside the box, but I was just floored. I mean, it, it brought me to tears. The things that our staff were saying like, oh, we are totally on the same page. We all want better for our kids. We all want a system where they're not feeling like their self-worth is determined by a grade where their interests can actually be a really important part of how we formulate our school day and what they learn. And so when I saw that, we're all on the same page. This is our chance to totally build something better. Not because what we've got right now is bad, but because we can make it even better and really be in tune with our kids and their needs and really like, how do we prepare them to solve the problems that we've never even thought of? Definitely not the way that school has been going traditionally. We really need to think outside the box. So that was a great, uh, a great moment for me to feel like, okay, we're really all on the same page. We all do want the same thing for our kids. And nobody is really against us in this group. Well, that's, that's really exciting to be in that place. And I think of all the times that we could be changing anything about education, now is certainly the time to do it. And I love the approach that you're taking and how you're focusing more on mastery unless on completion and compliance and all those things I think are, are so valuable to, to really help serve our kids because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get them prepared for the future. We're not trying to get them to be, you know, good kids. We're trying to get them to be good adults that can have an impact and, and leave a lasting legacy. And that's, I think, why almost everybody got into education. So the last question I asked, Lizzie, this has been a great conversation. What is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? I think the big thing that I have really learned through this is that you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. And so you got to find, you know, every one of us is different, what we actually need and know yourself, know what you need. So for me, I know that sleep routines are really, really important, that that does not get disrupted. I know that I really, really need my exercise and also very strong time management. If my time is out of control, I feel out of control. And so find those things that, that really, really are good for you. So, you know, identifying that I need that midday break right now, if I'm going to be working mornings and evenings, that's the kind of stuff that's going to make me available to care for my family and, but to also care for staff that are everywhere in the world. But I think it applies to whatever your school setting is. You got to know what you need and actually don't feel like it's selfish. Actually really take the time to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I preach that self-care thing every time I get a chance to talk to people because it's so so important. And I push it one step further. And instead of, you know, I know that because we're all educators, we care a lot about other people and we, you know, put their needs above our own a lot. I personally think that's a flaw in our profession that we need to get over. But more importantly is you need to take care of yourself because you actually matter. And you, it's, that's not selfish. That's the right thing to do. And you know, we think that it's selfish because we've been conditioned and programmed to think that way. 
because of our examples and what we value in society and all that kind of stuff. But really, everybody needs to take care of themselves. And you started out this conversation talking about taking care of yourself. And so I know that that's a core value for you. That's something that you think is really important. And I'm sure that gives your teachers a lot of permission to do that for themselves as well. Leading by example, I think is so important. So thank you again, Lizzie, for being part of Transformative Principle. If you'd like to follow Lizzie on Twitter, her handle is at KTM Lizzie. And uh, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. And I look forward to hearing how far you take your school in the next couple of years. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principal. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.